two on one. Stone with Stevenson. Stone stops, shoots, he scores! The double fist pump, the high five with White Cloud, the embrace with Stevenson, short-handed goal, the captain, Mark Stone. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Misfits to champions. The Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup in 2023. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Ballard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Ballard, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the And Darren Millard joins us live, I believe still from Nashville. Darren, it's been a busy, really a busy week for you. How you doing? Good. Uh, we're excited. What, what's got you so pumped up? You seem like you've doubled uh, down into a, a couple of extra big gears. Well, I um, yes, I, I purchased a, a new vehicle today, so I am... Running on um, exhaust and and uh, adrenaline, and yes, I'm I'm pretty excited, and it's going to revolutionize my drive into town next season because I won't be spending literally half of my uh, my my salary on uh, on gasoline. So it's great. He it's said ex- he said exhaust. I don't think there was a pun intended there, though. No, no, no I'm exhausted. Yeah. I'm 100 exhausted. As oh, I imagine you are. Oh, yeah. We were thinking exhaust. Yeah, like like, gasoline exhaust. Like you got your mouth on the tailpipe kind of thing. Exhaust, no, no, no. Yeah. It, it whoa, was, whoa, whoa. It was meant to be a double entendre. <laughs> oh, okay. So it the, was, the pun it was, was meant intended. to work. Okay. Yes, it was, it was a, a very much intended pun, Chapman. Okay. Oh, goodness. You took that into the ditch, if I can continue the driving analogies. Wow. No. Chapman. What do you mean? Yeah, no, it's, it was very, uh, very much nice in, in Nashville today completed the National Hockey League draft uh, with a late trade uh, to uh, pass uh, on their seventh round pick, which would have been the last selection in the entire draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, that went to the Columbus Blue Jackets for a pick next year. Uh, so that was uh, that was some uh, uh, late news for the Vegas Golden Knights after they selected four players uh, here at this 2023 uh, National Hockey League draft uh, on the heels of David Enstrom uh, yesterday. Uh, that uh, occurred uh, well uh, we, after we were off the air yesterday. So David Enstrom uh, comes over from uh, he's a Swedish player, a center iceman, but he's he's half American because his uh, dad is from Denver. Uh, and uh, I'll get into the backstory, but uh, it, it's it's pretty neat. Uh, they're looking forward to uh, joining the organization at development camp this weekend. And then today, uh, in rounds two through seven, the Vegas Golden Knights added a couple more forwards and a defenseman uh, to uh, put uh, four more prospects in total into the Vegas Golden Knight uh, pool. Yeah, so today it was a busier day, obviously, for the Vegas Golden Knights, but Matthew Catterford uh, from the Halifax Moosehead, third-round 77th overall pick. R2 Karki, third-round 96th overall pick from the Finnish Premier Junior League. That's the defenseman. And then you've got Thomas Euronen, sixth-round 192nd overall from the Finnish Premier Junior League as well. Yeah, you'll have uh, Bob Lowe's on. Uh, I talked to him earlier today. Uh, the uh, director of amateur scouting for the uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights, and he uh, runs a draft uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, 
and has uh, done so uh, the entire uh, franchise existence. Uh, and uh, Bob uh, will break down all four of these players uh, later on in the BGK Insider Show. But just uh, uh, a little bit uh, of a heads up, uh, Edstrom is a, a complete package uh, when you talk about uh, skill set in one end and the other. Uh, he is uh, almost perfectly made for this current edition uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm not saying he goes in uh, furthest thing from that, but he does fit the mold of uh, like a, a William Carlson. Uh, who, he, David Edstrom is a player that can uh, score, and it's his uh, scoring ability that moved him from a uh, second-rounder, third-rounder at the start of the season to being in the mix uh, in, in the first round. He was, uh, he was expected to go and then capitalized on that uh, great season and elevated uh, play uh, by being a first-round pick last night, uh, 32nd overall uh, by the Vegas School of the Knights. And then you have uh, Matthew Catterford, uh, who you mentioned from the Halifax Mooseheads. Mm-hmm. They made the QMJHL final this year. Uh, they lost to the eventual uh, Memorial Cup champion, Quebec Ramparts, and Patrick Waugh on that team uh, and so that gives you an idea that uh, that they were really good like the only the top team in the Canadian Hockey League uh, stopped them on their on their march uh, from claiming a couple of titles and Catterford is uh he's a real spark plug mm-hmm. uh he is he's just uh in talking to him he's he's uh, just he's got some swagger to him uh and I'm excited to to see him this weekend at development camp at City National Arena uh, he's got some some edge to his game uh, on the ice. He's got some real offensive uh, uh, talent uh, to to his game, and uh, and uh, scored thirty plus goals this year in the QMJHL. And uh, I think you, from from everybody I've talked to, and I haven't seen him play uh, beyond the highlights, but everybody uh, you, you talk to, uh, you could uh, be looking at uh, a real star in, in junior hockey in the next couple of years. Uh, from the offensive side, but but the best part about him is just talking to him and that uh, that uh, confidence uh, in his game. He's just uh, he's not cocky, but he's he's confident and he's fun. Like he doesn't come across over the top or anything. But it's a really enjoyable uh, discussion. And the two fins, uh, defenseman in Karki and uh, the forward in Ironen, they're longer term guys, and uh, that that's going to be. They were taking what ninety uh, sixth and one hundred ninety second uh, overall, uh, as I check my notes, and they they will be players that are going to have to marinate, and everybody knows that. But uh, there's some real potential, and uh, uh, Bob Lowe's will describe uh, what is going to uh, take place with these players and what they foresee. Uh, taking place uh, with these two players uh, down the road uh, when he joins us in hour number two. And it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how somebody who uh, looks at all these players all over the world and, uh, and that will describe the potential in what we'll uh, hopefully see out of Karki and Euronen. Yeah, and I guess kind of that leads me to a question about when you, when you start to look at some of the, the later round picks and, and the, the up, what the, what happens? What has to happen from a developmental standpoint in order for those players to push um, on the door of of you know the, the the Henderson Silver Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights? Like from that perspective, what what kind of has to work out well for those later round picks that the Golden Knights brought in? Well, I, I think it's um, the best example 
uh, of a, a sixth round pick and being able to look past any type of uh, limitations because so much of the draft uh, is focused on what the player is missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, once, once you get past the first round, it does be, it does switch. It goes from play, this player's got speed, this player's got a great shot, this player's got uh, incredible release. Uh, look at uh, the uh, the uh, edge work of of, of what uh, this player can do, and and then you get the comparisons uh, from from every other player to to those players, and you end up going, okay, well, his he doesn't have the right uh, uh, release that uh, that player A has. He doesn't have the same type of uh, acceleration as player C, and and that ends up being some of the knocks uh, against the later players, and it it becomes uh, more what boxes aren't being checked, and and that's what drops them down, uh, as opposed to uh, they have three of the four, and 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 that's awesome. And so uh, I'll I'll go to uh, your captain of the Vegas Golden Knights, Mark Stone, mm-hmm. has every aspect of the game. Uh, as as a junior player uh, with the Brandon Weekings, and the one area that uh, that really bogged down his draft year was foot speed mm-hmm. and a concern about his skating, uh, not just uh, not just foot speed, but the skating ability. Would that be uh, uh, something that would stop him? From taking uh, his game to the next level. Never mind the hockey IQ. Never mind the shot. Never mind uh, the, um, uh, the the passing ability and uh, and playmaking ability, uh, which were were all there uh, with with Mark Stone. And Mark Stone uh, in in a seven round draft was taken in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. And this is a player that is one of the most valuable players on two different franchises now, the Ottawa Senators and, and, and now a Stanley Cup champion as a captain uh, of, of, the, of the Vegas Golden Knights. And he, he pushed all those doubts aside uh, and played in the World Junior Championship uh, out of Brandon uh, for Canada and then uh, has gone on to a, a great career. And so uh, with, with some of these players, it's, it's overcoming uh, some of those uh, little knocks or it's just taking their game, little pieces of their game that uh, they, they see snippets of, and they have to uh, round that into form and mature. And I know in, in the two fins that, that Vegas took, and uh, Karki and your owner were not in Nashville today, uh, so we didn't get a chance to, to talk to them. Uh, they are players that, uh, that uh, Bob Lowe's and his amateur scouting staff do see a real uh, National Hockey League upside uh, to, to, to their games. They just need to be uh, rounded out. And uh, it, it's funny, everybody, everybody's on the on a list, and, and you talk to and you'll, you'll hear it uh, from uh, scouts. Uh, we had him rated higher. We had this guy rated higher. Mm-hmm. I had Chapman rated higher, and, yeah. and he got to us, and we were happy. But uh, but in in being around uh, the the Golden Knights staff uh, this week uh, and knowing where they took these players and then comparing them to some other lists, uh, you, you saw uh, Edstrom come to them. Uh, he was a guy that could have gone from nineteenth to thirty uh, second easily. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, he he was projected to be a mid to late. First rounder, he got the thirty second, and uh, Kelly McCrimmon and company could get up to that stage fast enough. Uh, 
uh, to take him. They were so <laughs> pleased. And and if he wasn't available, you probably would have seen Vegas really look at. I can't speak for them uh, or or uh, speculate as to something that uh, that didn't happen. But if he wasn't there, I think you w- we would have uh, witnessed a trade in that first round, and and Vegas split down. Hmm. And uh, to, to 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 look at uh, a couple of other players because uh, Edstrom was somebody that they really wanted, and when he was there, they they, they jumped on it. And uh, and Catapert, uh he was projected to go a little bit higher as well. And uh, and teams and in in that area, teams uh, you're talking seventy seventh overall. And uh, in, in, in you're you're talking about a player that uh, where teams get a little more specific. Well, he, as a winger, uh, uh, came to them. He can play all three positions, but uh, uh, he he came to them, and that's that's also really valuable. And uh, Vegas only had uh, well, they had five picks coming in. They used four of them, traded uh, one for next year. Uh, it, it, it's not a quantity today uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights draft, uh, but it certainly was uh, a draft that uh, that you'll hear Bob Lowe's talk about that he's really really excited about about the players. That uh, that came to them when you're you're at the end of the first round and you're at the end of every other round. And you're wondering uh, are, are the players that we've got uh, that we really want that we that we're, they just aren't taking players because it's their pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, are the players that they 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 really want are going to be there and, and they feel they got they got four good ones. Well, and that's you know obviously the benefit for the Golden Knights in in, in picking thirty second is that they won the Stanley Cup. But it's yeah. it's nice to be able to get one of those players that you really really covet, or you know in this case four players that, that the Golden Knights are comfortable with too that maybe you covet. You you're 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 excited to draft them where you did. Uh, I mean it's it speaks to again the the work that's been done behind the scenes to make sure that if those players are available, you're jumping on it, and that's what happened for Vegas. Well, and you have to be comfortable in walking out of a draft with four picks, yeah. and and they they get their their first round pick. But you work all year, and it's not like you can work all year and and knowing that you've got five picks, so you can ease off the gas pedal uh, a little bit uh, because you may come into two more picks, but or you got to make sure. Uh, if if you're drafting a little bit higher, that that you're right there. So you you can't uh, you know, put your uh, uh, focus into the draft uh, and it be a little bit less intense because you've got fewer picks uh, because it, it it's still that that important. But you've got to be comfortable if you don't uh, use uh, all five picks in this case because everybody's allowed seven or granted seven, uh, and then whatever you you deal. Um, there's one per round, and if you deal any away, it's, it's fewer. Uh, they're they're comfortable and they're happy with with the four that they had, and there was nothing uh, jumping out at them uh, with that last uh, pick. Nobody went through uh, every round uh, and and was uh, was available, so they they took that uh, that uh, and and put it into something next year. Uh, just a, just a note though, the 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 pick that um, was traded, uh, mm-hmm. the the uh, last pick of the National Hockey League draft. Uh, went to Columbus in that trade for next year. And it's one of the most crushing and just anxiety-driving moments of every draft. When you get down to the final 10 selections mm-hmm. uh, and people are in the building and they they went through it last night, they weren't expected to go last night, 
but uh, today they're going to be a late round pick, and those families are all there. And uh, you've got there's probably today thirty to forty players that were still there in different pockets of people, and it gets down to the final ten. Then you got the final five, and those families are are still there, and they they put so much into coming to this uh, draft uh, uh, process and uh, an event, and you're down to the last pick of the NHL draft, mm-hmm. and you haven't been taken, and you hear your name called, and Columbus uh, made that last selection. There was a huge cheer, and uh, I'm, I'm just. It was awesome, but I also felt bad for the other 29 kids who were, or, or however many uh, were there with their, with their families who weren't going. Now, a lot of those kids will be invited to different uh, development camps in the next couple of days. It doesn't mean they're, they, they don't have a shot or they, they'll be selected next year. But, uh, but you feel for the kids that, uh, that are in the building who, who are not selected in the end. But uh, that, that last pick in the the joy uh, and the release of, of being selected uh, was was certainly huge. In, in some cases, it's it's better if you're not taken. In the moment, you you want to be picked, but uh, if you're not taken, you can kind of uh, pick your spots uh, a, a little bit. So that that was one of those intriguing parts. And I'll give you a, an inside look uh, on, on other parts of the draft in a second. Uh, yeah, so it, it it definitely is interesting, and from that perspective, and now, you know, kind of the last thing for me on on the Vegas Golden Knights is is obviously you've got now four new players in the fold. You, you've mentioned development camp a couple of times. It's one thing to draft; it's another thing to develop and and kind of build these young players into hopefully NHL hockey players down the road. Uh, what what's your sense of maybe the next twenty four to forty eight hours for these young men? Uh, they will, uh, I, I believe. Uh, they all have their hockey gear with them uh, because they will turn around and they'll head straight to Vegas. Uh, enjoy today. Uh, it was some family time. I know David Edstrom, uh, his mom and dad and his sister were in Nashville and his grandma uh, uh, is in Nashville uh, from Sweden. Uh, and uh, I think they're all going to come to uh, Vegas for the weekend. Uh, his dad actually works for Bauer uh, in uh, in in that uh, hockey company, uh, and so he's he's very familiar uh, with uh, with what's happening and uh, and the the process uh, of this. He's not a hockey player; he's a badminton player. Hmm. Uh, D- David Edstrom's dad is a badminton player from Denver who went to ASU uh, for uh, athletics, and his mom uh, is Swedish. Uh, she is a badminton player. They met there. And, uh, and it, the situation was David was trying to make the Olympic team and all the events were in, uh, in Europe, uh, that year. Uh, and so they settled in Sweden and, uh, and after they were done, uh, with, uh, with their badminton careers, uh, they settled down there and started the family. And, uh, and so David is American on his dad's side, uh, Swedish on his mom's side and, uh, has never been to, uh, Vegas, or if he was, he was really young, uh, and uh, and so he's looking forward to that. He he did watch the playoffs. He's very aware of that. So was uh, Matthew Cataford, uh, who we who we met today. Uh, both of them uh, loved Vegas, loved the style, uh, and uh, they uh, didn't see the parade, but they know of William Carlson's speech. <laughs> so uh, they're 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 on that side, and uh, and Karki and Yuronen. Uh, 
Uh, I don't think we'll see them at mm-hmm. development camp. Uh, if they do, uh, it'll be a, a quick, I don't want to speak for the organization. Uh, we'll see whether they, after being drafted, they, they hop uh, on a plane over uh, for the weekend. Uh, development camp taking place uh, this weekend at, at City National Arena, which will be started uh, with the introduction, formal introduction, of Ryan Craig as the Henderson Silver Knights coach. Uh, big organizational announcement. Uh, taking place uh, tomorrow uh, in, in the Valley. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fun, certainly a fun moment for Ryan Craig, the Henderson Silver Knights, and uh, we, we got to talk to him on Monday. Just fantastic stuff, great stuff for Ryan. Now, let's talk about the draft as a whole because, you know, I, I think that, you know, when you and I last talked, we were talking about, you know, maybe some big trades or bigger name trades that we might see over the course of the first round, certainly over the course of the last two days. Nothing really materializes no. to the point where you say, okay, that counts. Does that surprise you? Yeah. On, on one side, uh, the Debrinko, uh situation uh, was not settled mm-hmm. uh, as, as we wrap things up in, in Nashville. Uh, that, uh, that surprised me, uh, that that thing uh, hadn't, uh, hadn't taken the turn towards completion because uh, he's, he's not going to play uh, in, in Ottawa. Because uh, he's not going to sign long term, so the uh, all things uh, are coming together from the agent, from the player, and from the, the hockey team that there's uh, there's going to be uh, uh, some kind of uh, uh, transaction to take place there uh, with a, another team. And the the Boston Bruins and the Winnipeg Jets uh, were were quieter on the heels of some some busy uh, transactions over the last uh, couple of days. Uh, Boston, uh, I think, has cleared out some room. Now they're just uh, in the sense, uh, a mode of, of trying to finalize a deal. And uh, is that Connor Hellebuck? Are they going to go down uh, that path? I guess they have to formally uh, get a decision from Patrice Bergeron mm-hmm. and David Krejci formally on, on, uh, on their plans. Uh, maybe that's the hold up there. Uh, and uh, and Winnipeg uh, with a couple of uh, a couple of their uh, big decisions that uh, that are sitting on on Kevin Sheveldayoff's uh, lap uh, will uh, that has not uh, forwarded itself. I, I thought that that might take a little bit more time uh, and and maybe bleed uh, into uh, free agency a touch, but uh, the Debrinket uh, side of it, uh, I thought uh, I thought would have been done. Uh, by the time things are uh, wrapped up here in Nashville. So from the Bruins' perspective, if Krejci and Bergeron are not coming back next season, and especially with kind of the news, at least the last little while, that Tyler Bertuzzi is going to market, like, don't the Bruins need to backfill at least a little bit down the middle? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I don't, uh, don't count out uh, uh, Bertuzzi, by the way, yeah. uh, for... Returning there, you, he can go to market, and if he doesn't see uh, what he what he likes uh, from the market, uh, or it's comparable to the Boston Bruins offer, uh, he can certainly uh, do a, a, a quick turn and re-sign uh, with, with the Boston Bruins. So, just because a player uh, does elect to to go to the market, doesn't mean that he's all is lost or. Or uh, he's uh, he's taking his, uh, his talents out uh, elsewhere. Um, there's there's options there uh, for uh, for the Boston Bruins when it comes to a center iceman. Um, I'm I'm one thing I'm curious about is 
there was so much emotion around the last game that the Bruins played in the playoffs mm-hmm. when they lost that uh, that game seven of the opening round to, to the Florida Panthers, centered on Patrice Bergeron. Like I, I think Krejci's done. I, yeah. uh, everything does uh, guide us towards that type of decision uh, being uh, the end result uh, here uh, with 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 uh, Bergeron, I've heard some rumblings that. Uh, that there's been uh, a turn of um, uh, planning there, uh, just a feeling uh, that 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 he might come back, and I don't know whether that's uh, that's going to be the end result or not. But it's n- nowhere near as uh, what we thought uh, the fate of complete uh, when when he left the uh, the rink that night after the the end of the first round. And that loss against the the Florida Panthers. There was so much emotion in that moment, tied with the disappointment of losing uh, after a record-setting regular season, and then his future uh, and uh, and what uh, was uh, was pointing towards a retirement announcement. And it, it all got funneled uh, into this uh, real obvious. He's going to to walk away and uh, and end his career. I, I think. Um, uh, from from what I've talked to people, uh, that there's been a softening there, and there's a possibility that uh, that that Patrice Bergeron uh, comes back. I don't know what you guys have heard, but that was the feeling I, I, w- I was getting, and it's it's not fifty fifty mm-hmm. that he comes back, but I but I think it's uh, <laughs> a, a lot more encouraging that we might see him as opposed to. Uh, what happened uh, at the end of the first round. Yeah, as somebody that loves to watch Patrice Bergeron play, I, I hope that he continues to play and continues yeah. to play. And, and for the Bruins, I mean, come on, you, you want you want Patrice Bergeron to get another crack at it, especially if you believe you're not going to be 65 wins good. Like, that that's, might be the anomaly, but it's still a playoff team should be there for the Boston Bruins. Um, so I don't want to use the term winners and losers. I don't like that when it comes to the draft, but... Was there a team or a couple of teams that, you know, after the last 48 hours, you, you look at the, what they were able to accomplish, what they were able to do through the draft, also maybe via trade, uh, and, and you, you feel better about where their outlook is organizationally? Yeah, I, I think Chicago's done, done well. And yeah. Connor Bedard is the cornerstone to that. But I like uh, what they did uh, with uh, a lot of picks. Uh, so that improves your chances of finding because it's, uh, not a guarantee. Um, I was looking at junior hockey uh, in the Western Hockey League, the most draft picks uh, ever uh, among all the teams, and uh, how many of those players ended up playing a game in the National Hockey League. It's like 55, 60% kind mm-hmm. of thing that the players drafted will actually go along uh, and, and participate in the game. So uh, the more players that you draft, uh, the better chance you have of, of, of improving or getting uh, somebody from this draft uh, beyond Connor Bedard to to skate in the National Hockey League game, and then what they did uh, with with the acquisition of uh, uh, of Foligno, uh being able to bring him in, and uh, Taylor Hall, a former MVP, uh, I I think that's that's encouraged. It's not going to make them great. Mm-hmm. It's not going to make them good, but it's, <laughs> they're, they're not going to be bad, yeah, uh, or as bad and. I, I like that part of it, that you don't just lean on, okay, we've got Connor Bedard, we're going to grow this thing in the next couple of years. It's, there's, there's nothing wrong with adding 
some 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 veteran talent in and around there, and and growing around him the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was uh, I was impressed uh, with uh, with what Kyle Davidson did uh, from uh, uh, just a, a, a an NHL roster uh, point of view. I like Detroit. Uh, I, I was impressed by by their draft. I'll be really curious. Uh, I, I said it last night uh, when uh, Leo Carlson went uh, went second over mm-hmm. Adam Pintilli. Uh That will be one that uh, that will watch uh, not just uh, at training camp, uh, but uh, but moving forward uh, with, with with that decision by the by the Anaheim Ducks and and, and where they're going to go. So um, uh, the two teams that uh, that uh, that I that I really liked uh, were were. Chicago because of what they did in and around the dark, and uh, and I like Detroit. Uh, they they had a lot of picks here, and uh, they were able to uh, use some of those, and they were able to to move some uh, of those around. But there's there's uh, before um, I, I run out of time here. There's a couple of things uh, at the draft that are yeah. they're just funny little things. Um, uh, one uh, and and we were in the media area for a lot of it. Uh, and then we go out uh, to the floor for the for the Vegas picks, and then uh, I would retreat uh, underneath to to a, to a media area, and uh, and every team is assigned a runner. Uh, it's usually a kid, uh, a young boy or girl who has ties to the organization. In in Vegas Gold Knights' uh, case, uh, the 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 young man was uh, uh, Cole Cassidy, uh, Bruce Cassidy's uh, young son. Uh, and uh, they are in charge of uh, getting uh, if they he needs uh, water or uh, drinks or they need something uh, brought to the table. Uh, they they will do all that. They'll carry the the jersey up uh, on, on stage for the for the photo. Like it's uh, it's uh, a fun job. But uh, but you see these kids in the back running around like crazy. And I'm going to tell you right now, mm-hmm. there's a rivalry between the Minnesota kid. They call the Minnesota. <laughs> And, uh, and, and the San Jose kid, and really? they were like watching those kids run around for two days, uh, like 12 to 15 year old kids just having a blast, uh, in and around the draft was awesome to see. And these two kids like, uh, totally stole the show, uh, with us, uh, with, with their fun and their antics. It had nothing to do with the draft, but it was so much fun to watch them just to have a, have a great time. The San Jose, uh, kid was, uh, and I don't even know his name. Uh, was in line grabbing a coffee today for the mm-hmm. uh, for the table before the start of the first round, and he's and he's there's some pressure because these kids don't drink coffee. They don't sure, know. Yeah. Uh, they probably never poured a cup of coffee in their life. So he, he pours a couple of coffees, and he's he's asking the his his buddies, and they don't know. So he turns around and he goes, "Guys, hey, um, is 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 half and half the same as milk?" And uh, I guess that at thirteen, he wouldn't know that. But uh, but he's he's looking at the the couple of us that are, are right behind him, and uh, the person ahead of me goes, "Yeah, yeah, you're good, you're good, buddy. Okay, thanks." And the guy he asked the question to was Martin Broder, <laughs> <laughs> but no, like no clue, no recognition, yeah. nothing that that was a Hall of Famer, the best one of the best goaltenders of all time, uh, waiting to get his coffee. Well, these guys are goofing around, having fun. And uh, wondering if half and half is the same as, as Belk, and that was just like it was just a cool moment, the innocence uh, of, of youth. And uh, the other one uh, was was a guy who <laughs> he didn't know anybody was watching, mm-hmm. uh, but he 
you know, you know, you get chips, bags of chips, and there's yeah. there's so much air in them. Sure, Chapman, you're you're aware of this, right? Chapman, not yeah, that, yeah, of uh, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying because you eat uh, a lot of chips, but uh, I've seen you eat. I've seen. So this guy, uh, he's going. Back, he must be going back out onto the floor in, in some media capacity, but he doesn't want to come back for any more uh, chips because they're the smaller bags. So he opens up his chip bag, and then he gets another chip bag, and he pours the two chip bags together, like combines them. And then he gets another chip bag. And and we're all watching him, uh, the, the people I was with at the time chatting mm. with, and we're like, he's, he's going to fit as many bags of chips in the one chip bag mm. uh, as he can so he doesn't come back. And ends up he does three bags of chips into one chip bag and just spills a couple at the end. So he, he maxed out. And it gives you an idea. Uh, I know why there's air in there because it protects them from getting squished and uh, you don't get just crumbs and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, but it was funny watching this guy off to the side maneuver this bag of chips and it became one of our uh, big memorable moments uh, uh, in and around. Because you got to find little things to, to grab your attention. So Chip Guy uh, was, was one of our favorites today, along with uh, Minnesota and San Jose runners uh, who put on a show for us, including for Mark Tambroder. Um, what, just because I need to know, like, what's your go-to chip? Uh, oh, I'm like ripple chips, old Dutch oh, yeah? in Canada, ripple chips, uh, <laughs> maybe some dip, but I don't need the dip. Uh, it's awesome. I, I told you before, uh, milk is too spicy for me. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, 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 I don't mind the plain chips at all. All right. Uh, well, thanks for jumping on here, Darren. Uh, we do appreciate you taking the time. What's your, what's your night look like tonight? Going over to Lower Broadway, oh. and we are going to light them up with some cowboy boots and cowboy hats. Uh, do some boot scooting boogie, baby. Uh, no, uh, I am going to go over to Lower Broadway in the hockey dog, but I won't be wearing cowboy boots, and uh, and I'm going to take it easy because we got to get back for development camp uh, uh, as the players arrive tomorrow. All right, great stuff there from Darren Millard. Thanks, Darren, for jumping on. We appreciate it. We're back with more on the VGK Insider Show. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. VGK Insider Show, rolling along here, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, with you for the next hour and 25 minutes or so. Just a little bit of housekeeping, as we've mentioned a couple of times throughout this week. Final show before hiatus will be tomorrow. So you have the rest of today, and then you've got tomorrow, and then the VGK Insider Show will be off until... Early September, but we do have a special show planned for Monday. You will hear immediate reaction post-game from the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup. And I'm glad that we can bring that to the to the limelight because we have a fantastic friend of the show, Tommy Ippolito, the general manager of Hyde Lounge inside T-Mobile Arena. Tommy, how you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? Um, I'm I'm just coming down, bud. Like I'm I'm not gonna I, lie. It's been a whirlwind 16, 17 days. Um, let's let's talk about it from your perspective because you know Hyde Lounge is such a unique, special feature of T-Mobile Arena, and what you do in that place really does lend to a lot of the atmosphere that we feel inside T-Mobile Arena. What was it like for you, June 13th, when the Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup? Oh man, it was it was it was crazy. It was I've I've been there for some special events, but that night will forever you know hold a place in my 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 memory. It was 
the the feeling it was a little nervous at first right and mm-hmm. then as soon as that onslaught came at the end of the second period and everybody kind of knew where it was heading it was just party city up there the jubilation of the of the guest and um it was it was an unreal unreal atmosphere up there it was it was something to behold you know, you and I had talked at, at various stages throughout the playoffs about you know what, what our expectations were, what we we thought this team was capable of. Was was there a moment, either during the season or during the postseason run, where you kind of came to the realization that Vegas was going to win the championship? I think, yeah, I think um, I think once we got past Edmonton, I, I I honestly felt there was no stopping this team. They were they were just on a mission and. You know, the Dallas series, you know, kind of put a stamp on, on my thoughts. And then once they got to the Cup, um, there was just no stopping this team. They were, they, they had a vision. They, they, they knew what their end goal was. And I, I don't care who was in front of them. You know, if, you know, Boston would have made it the whole way or whoever the opponent was in the Stanley Cup, I just, I, I feel this team was, was destined. Now, I saw you on the ice after the game. Gave you a big hug. Um, I saw pictures of the post game that took place in Hyde. I saw I saw some videos, but yeah. I got to ask you from a professional level: when you got into this business, you know, obviously food and beverage. You've been involved with nightclubs, and, and now you're you're the general manager of Hyde. Could you have ever imagined at any point in your life that what you experienced that night was something that you were ever going to experience at any point in your life when you started in the business? Never, not not in a million years. So it's kind of a kind of, kind of crazy how everything everything happened. Like season one, I was there, um, didn't know any of the guys. Season two, I met I met William Carlson's best friend from uh, childhood, Philip, who who's a great hockey agent now. So he he came up to hide. He wouldn't sit in Will's seat, so he he came up to hide and rather watch the game up there. So we became pretty close. And then he invited me to play golf with uh, William, you know, season two or three. Became friends with him through golf and then started meeting some of the other players. And, you know, somebody would have told me season one or the beginning of season two that I would be on the ice hugging William Carlson after a Stanley Cup victory. I would have thought they were going to the insane asylum. (laughs) So, yeah, to answer your question, (laughs) never in a million years, but, you know, I'm just having the time of my life right now with this. Tommy Apolito, general manager of Hyde Lounge inside T-Mobile Arena, joining us here. Tommy's been an instrumental part of, of really the game day experience for the Vegas Golden Knights, one of the most unique ways to take in a hockey game. And if you've never done it, do so next season when the defending Stanley Cup champions take the ice to defend their crown. Uh, you know, I, you mentioned something that I think is really interesting in that anytime you are, are, are in something long enough, and you're around people long enough, you start to develop some of those personal relationships. Like for Chapman and I, this year, having been six years deep, it, it, it felt different, it, it hit different because you you get to understand and care for the individuals. It's not so much about the team, but it's more so the individuals on the ice. It, in terms of how it felt for you this year versus year one, it may be how much more invested, how much more um, focused in you were, not just that the team had won, but that individual players that you have come to grow close to finally were able to knock that off of uh, their, their wish list. Yeah, that's, that's, a great, that's, a, that's a great point. 
not only with the players, but, you know, we, we deal with so many departments in DG Cake, you know, working hand-in-hand to make the game day experience great, ticketing, marketing. You develop personal relationships with people in the organization that aren't on the ice. So you feel a sense of camaraderie with them. And, you know, there was a, there was a party after Game 5 that T-Mobile hosted for, you know, a bunch of the full-time employees. And just the jubilation of all the employees we felt like we won the Stanley Cup, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because you get so invested over over the years with the team, and, you know, you feel personally invested. Now, with the players, yeah, lucky enough to develop some relationships with the guys. So seeing, seeing the jubilation right afterwards on the ice of these guys reaching their goal that they probably dreamed of their whole life was something just I'll remember forever. You know, one of the things that, that really stood out to me watching the postgame celebration was if I'm a player around the NHL and I'm watching this celebration take place, maybe I'm friends with guys on the Golden Knights and I'm seeing the postgame videos, maybe I'm seeing the parade, but could there have been an any more Vegas way for this team to have celebrated a Stanley Cup because I don't know how many arenas, I don't know if there's any other arenas that have anything even remotely close to Hyde. I mean, I've been to a few, and I certainly know San Jose doesn't have anything even remotely close to this. But they don't have a press box, Captain. Come yeah. on. Right, so, right. so if I'm a player around the league, do you think it's maybe one of those moments where guys are saying, you know what? Maybe I'll take less money to play in Vegas because this is something that I have seen, I want to be a part of. I mean, it's so Vegas when I watch it. Right, right. I mean, you you hear the same thing from every player that's been here, how the organization treats them. It's 100% a destination for free agents. There's no, there's no secret that everybody wants to come play in Vegas. But to your point about the arena itself being, being just a special place for a celebration like that with, you know, having a lounge nightclub in the arena where people are going bonkers. I mean, a parade down the strip, there's no city built better for what just took place a couple, couple weeks ago. We had the spit and chiclets guys up there game five. Mm -hmm. And it was surreal for me because, uh, Ryan Whitney was up there and he's, you know, the, the founder of pink Whitney, the lemonade vodka. So I'm pouring shots behind the bar after the victory of Pink Whitney for Ryan Whitney of Spit and Chicklets. <laughs> I mean, it was, had the guy from Entourage there. I mean, it was, it was such a cool night that I'm, 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 I'm glad we had such a lead in the third period. I took my radio off. I'm off duty. Started celebrating. It was, it was a night, like I said, I'll, I'll never forget. You know the other the other aspect that that I kind of I had someone ask me my my friend he's obviously not a Vegas guy and he asked me to kind of describe what the what a game experience is like at T-Mobile Arena and I told him I said we get forty one New Year's Eves a year not including the playoffs and if you really want to go overboard you go to Hyde because every night is like New Year's Eve in Hyde yeah it's great we. We're, we're so proud of what we built up there. Um, it's really the place to be during a game. Even if you're a ticketed guest downstairs, if you're a season ticket holder or you just have random seats downstairs, 
come up pregame, come up during the intermission. It is no special ticket needed, no access needed, just roll up. It's such a fun, different atmosphere that you won't find in any arena across the country. So, yeah, we're super proud of, of how the venue's grown and, and uh, the experience we give the guests. We're, we're super proud of that as well. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait till September 26th or whatever that first preseason game is to, uh, to run this back. So you, you mentioned it preseason, late September, the, uh, the, the home opener, season opener, banner raising uh, will go on October 10th. Um, maybe, maybe too early to start thinking ahead, but uh, any, anything that you can, you can think of off the top of your head that, that might be uh, in the works for Hyde Lounge on a very, very special night. That is a that is good. That was a good point. You brought this up. So not not specifically for that night. I mean, it's going to be a really special night. Just to warn everybody, ticket prices are going to be a little insane because mm-hmm. of the demand for the for the game. But we're going to have something special in Hyde next season. My my buddy Sean, he's a, he's an expert wood carver. He made this wood carving of the Stanley Cup wow. with VGK's logo in the middle. The bottom ring has a tribute of all the October 1 tragedy, um, the people affected by October 1. The next ring has the original Golden Knights team from the season, first season. The next ring has the Stanley Cup championship team. And then the last ring up has the six original Misfits engraved in it. Wow. So we're going to have that on display in Hyde all season long for people to come up and take, take photos with. So that's, that's, that's another reason to come up, uh, as well as taking advantage of the atmosphere. But this photo op with this, with this uh, wood carving, is I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That's unbelievable. I, I cannot wait to see it. And um, I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to get you on here, that, that we know that that's coming for Golden Knights fans that will take a game in at Hyde. And uh, I'm, I'm over the moon excited for you. I'm so happy for you. Not just you know the fact that this team was able to win, but for what you're doing with Hyde Lounge and, and so much of, of what that atmosphere is and what it brings to a game day. You're a big, big part of it all and, and a great friend of the show and a, a great friend to me and to Chapman. Uh, so from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for jumping on here and taking some time. And um, congratulations, buddy. It was a great season. Likewise, guys. Likewise. I, you know, you guys, are, you guys do such a fantastic job every day that, you know, you deserve recon- recognition as well. You know, bringing all the facts to the fans and, you know, Super proud of uh, what you guys have grown into as well. All right. That is Tommy Ippolito, general manager of Hyde Lounge. And just because the hockey's over, it doesn't mean there won't be events that you can take in at Hyde Lounge to check the calendar for T-Mobile Arena, upcoming shows. They got they, a ton of stuff coming so up. So much stuff. Like, at least for us, like you and I, we yeah. get to go take a take a break. We get to have like a vacation. Yeah, he doesn't get any time Tommy off. doesn't like, get that. Like, you look at the venue, like you've got Duran Duran coming up, Madonna. <laughs> Yeah. You've got Wu Tang Clan. I, I mean, it's wall to wall. Wu Tang with, with with Nas and De La Soul. Yeah. I think I'm going to that show. Like, like I have to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I'll get out there at some point yeah. over the summer. I don't know exactly when yet. Maybe it's a, sur- a surprise for the little one. But hey, anyway, it all. It, it, if you want to take in Hyde, if you want to go, trust me on this next year. Especially with the idea, with the knowledge now that there's going to be a wood carved replica of the Stanley Cup. And as Tommy mentioned, all 58 
names from one October in the first rung. You've got the original Golden Knights team, year one. You've got the Stanley Cup winning team and the original Misfits, those six players standing on their own. That's just fantastic stuff, and I cannot wait to see that. Thanks so much, Tommy Ippolito. We'll be back to set up hour number two on the VGK Insider Show. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. If you want to go to the battle for Vegas charity softball game, you're going to want to listen in in hour number two. I'm not sure when we're going to do it, but at some point we are going to give away a pair of tickets to battle for Vegas charity softball game between... Team Riley Smith and Team Max Crosby. It'll be interesting, but all indications Riley Smith is is going to be there and he's committed to doing it because this is a big, big cause to him. I'm guessing it'll also be an emotional. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And it's just a really fun thing to go to. If you've never been to one, listen in. Try to win the tickets. And if you don't win the tickets, buy tickets. You know, the guy who won yesterday lives in Good Springs. Oh, nice. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, like that we got someone in Good Springs listening. Battle for Vegas coming up in hour number two. Also a conversation with Bob Lowe's and one-timers on the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show.